0: Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another rousing rendition of the Breadren podcast. That's Breadren, like bread, B-R-E-A-D-R-E-N, because we always talking about our bread and we always getting bread. And when I say we, I'm always pleased and pleasure to introduce my brothers in this thing called life. Doctor John Loving, PhD, and Destrian Wells. How are y'all gentlemen doing
1: this evening? Man, doing great. Glad to be back oh, back evening, in the man. booth.
0: That's what's up. That's what's up. <laughs> Um, As usual people you may have noticed That we're slightly off kilter Slightly off schedule but Like we let you know in previous episodes You know my my illustrious brothers are Always jet setting and moving around the country Giving speeches and enlightening people As they do here on this podcast While I sit home and just enjoy living life Vicariously through their Instagrams And text group Um, (laughs) But we're not going to go into that I don't want to you know what I'm saying Get down in the blue because I ain't out here doing it like them Uh
2: (laughs) But um Can you just start another business?
0: <laughs> All right, let's get into this, man. Let's, uh... <laughs> <laughs> right. Right. Yeah, we uh we'll talk about that later. You know, right. what I'm
1: saying? Why, use that money to wipe those tears away. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> I'm
0: constantly constantly reinvesting. I got dividend reinvestment on my life program. It ain't even just for my <laughs> stocks, it's on everything. As soon as they come in they go out to something. If it ain't a bill, Y'all know how life goes. Um, let's introduce these like drinks the 'cause thick
1: and shut in list.
0: <laughs> yeah, if they, you know if that helps, come on bring the bring the communion by the house. Speaking of communion, uh, Dr. Levin, what do you have in your glass this
1: evening? Oh, well, you know, um for my good friend and and he's gonna love this, uh Destrian as well yeah. as uh old Shannon Sharp. Um O'Shea had to, Sharp. Oh, Shea Sharp that, that today. On owned, owned today, I'm drinking Hennessy and Coke.
0: Wow. Yeah. Wow. wow. Yeah. And I'm pretty sure we all know what DJ has. So I mean, I might be the only one. I might be off tonight. But DJ, go ahead. What you What you drinking? Surprises, maybe? No?
1: What?
2: Not a chance.
1: All right. Not a chance. <laughs> <laughs>
0: got two Uncle, got two uncle Coke, Shades man. in the house tonight on the hand, dog.
2: Oh, let's hope
0: not. not.
1: I got no hair, but I'm wearing a do rag anyway. Oh my god.
0: <laughs> Try to get them thoughts wavy. And I'm on that uh Johnny Walker Black. Uh uh I will probably finish this bottle tonight, so we'll see what we got <laughs> on the next episode. Uh but as always, gentlemen, glasses up, cheers to a wonderful conversation, knowledge being dropped and all that good. Yeah. So in the last episode, we talked about overcoming challenges uh, and pressure, and uh, overcoming challenges and dealing with pressure, and not to really, you know, carry on the conversation, but this conversation will kind of tie into it, But we'll try to make it work, but we're going to talk about breaking generational cycles, Um, and as as it's become a tradition, Doc has a came up with a beautiful outline, and so we'll go over, you know, a couple of points. The first one being recognizing the harmful generational cycles that play around and in your life. Understanding how those negative bad habits can affect your destiny. Structuring your life to minimize those harmful tendencies. Recognizing the opportunities around, despite genetic and familial nearsightedness. And creating the right team, ones who are aware of your generational cycles but want better for you and help you get there. We may not make it to all those points, but we'll do our best. But start with the first point: recognizing the harmful generational cycles at play around your life. And Doc, I'm authority to you first, because mm-hmm. the question that I want to pose around that point is: how do you recognize it? Because as it says in its name, it's a generational cycle. Yeah. So for 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 years, you know, it seems as though no one has recognized it. How does someone start recognizing
1: that? Man, and and this is. This is honestly, I think, one of the tougher things, right? Because when we talk about a generational cycle or something that you continue to do where the family has repeated this particular pattern generation after generation, and, you know, your cousins do it, your uncles have done it, whether it's, uh, you know, whether something as simple as always drinking way too much or. Um, You know, whether it's uh, going to jail or um, or having athletic talent and somehow never, ever being able to leverage it for your benefit. There's a whole family doing, full of incredible athletes and never, you know, nobody is ever able to put together the discipline necessary to make that work for themselves um, so that they can either secure an education and lift themselves in in, in a different way or, um, or uh, secure a, uh, a, a career as a professional athlete. It's one of those things that, that seems weird. And so I think, being in touch, when we've done episodes on goal setting and what it is that you want to accomplish and what your purpose is, I think being in touch with that can start to give you an idea once you crystallize and see what your goals are and what you're going to need to do to get there. Then you can start to see some of the activities that both get, that can push you towards where you're going and then some of the activities that can take you away from where it is that you'd like to go. And I think when you start to really look at what can take you or is likely to move you away from where you go, you want to go, that's when you start to see the negative generational cycles that that are all around you. Now, it doesn't always take all of that, but sometimes, you know, it, it does require you Focusing yourself on what it is that you want to accomplish in order to recognize the negative or the things that could fall away from it. And I, I want to, um, for the parents, for the people who have the, the benefit of age and wisdom and experience, this is where the elders and the ancestors can be so powerful in um in the lives of their children should they choose to. And I'm not sure how many um how many older folks that we have who are listeners, but man, I, I really hope that you're listening to this part of it. Because um I want you to start telling the truth. Okay? And I want you to start telling the truth about the mistakes that you've made and own those mistakes, especially to the next generation the the nephews the kids the uh you know the nieces all of the ones who are looking at you and admiring you the good and the bad that's the problem is you know little kids look at you and even young people who are who are adults in many cases look at you just because you're around sometimes and you've made an impression on them as they were young and so they look at the activities that you have engaged in and they don't necessarily have um, a bunch of judgment about it. And that's good because they love you. Right. You and, and that love is wonderful. Right. But I would encourage you to exhibit that same type of love to them and tell them when they messing up. And and I think that that, for me, you know, my dad is one of those people. He'll let you know, hey, man, you don't need to be getting into this or getting into that, drinking too much, hanging out late, all of those types of things. And he'll tell you why. He'll tell you why, how it impacted him negatively. He'll tell you how it impacted my grandfather negatively, just so that I know that these types of things are out there and can negatively impact me if I'm not vigilant about it. And so, um, you know, recognizing the uh, the generational cycles that play around you is, is something that, hey, it can happen through introspection and you just really thinking about what it is that you want to accomplish and, and starting to tailor your goals and seeing what activities are helpful or not, but can also come from the people around you being that truthful influence and letting you know, what bad habits have sort of stuck around with the family and how they've negatively impacted the things that the, um, that, that those family members that you otherwise, you know, really admire, you'll still admire them after that, but you start to see, okay, not everything that they did was perfect. Let me be more careful about how I move and the habits I develop so that I can be more productive in what I'm trying to accomplish. That makes sense.
0: Oh yeah, that makes uh, that makes perfect sense, DJ. I want to pose you the same question, even though Doc puts it, puts it so eloquently. How do you feel, or uh, you know, or what do you? Better yet, what do you think of some necessary steps? Uh, because we talk about intros- introspective uh, analysis a lot, you know, looking at yourself. You know, your your real enemy is your inner me. But what do you think of some practical steps for people to start recognizing and understanding, you know, generational cycles within themselves and their own families? Or relationships for that matter.
2: Well, <clears throat> I think that I think that for for most of us we can we can see it clearly, but we don't want to accept it because of who it's coming from, right? So if you look at your family, it's very difficult sometimes to be honest with yourself or honest with them for that matter about what you have learned or what you've come into the knowledge of them being versus what you would like for them to be. And I think that fantasy lingers for a very long time in some cases because some things are not just bad enough to harm you right now, but like Doc said, it's those habits, those things that you're forming and developing. So I think being able to have an honest assessment of who your family is, the pros and cons associated with that, and being truthful with yourself about the potential impact that it could have on you. Now... That may sound like a lot to do, but these are things that I think even kids think about. Um, you go to your you go to your local grocery store or you frequent Target or what have you. Kids are really honest. And as they begin to get a bit older, they they see things and, and they will repeat it and they will say it. When they say things like, Mom, you're you're ruining my life, it's not always about a toy. You know, sometimes they're saying other things and you're like, should we call child protective services or what have you? That kid can clearly see what's going on. They may not be able to ascertain the true impact at the present time or at the moment, but they can clearly see it. As they get older, sometimes it's the it's the fantasy, at least in my opinion, it's the fantasy of what they want the family to be like. And so they portray that to other people, and that's a cycle in itself. Because what happens is, even if you have someone in your life that's willing to try to give you some advice about what's going on or trying to help you break some of these cycles, so to speak, you can be in severe denial of any type of issue or problem simply because it's your family member or close friend or whatever. Um, being honest requires you to to really take assessment of self assessment of the people around you. And in terms of practical steps, Arthur, what I would say is one step is to diversify your life experiences. Oftentimes you fall into the same cycles because you do the same things. And it, it, you, know, you can diversify your life experiences without having to have a lot of money. Something as simple as reading and exposing yourself to culture and, and, and ideas and, and a diverse perspective of thought you know, you need to diversify your life experiences because there's probably a pretty distinctive way of thinking that's caused these generational things to be present. And so once you see and identify that, the next step is to not make those same mistakes, but instead allow the experiences of others, like Dr. Loving just talked about, allow those experiences of others to be your, your guide, your tool, and learn from those things instead of having to go through them because that can greatly advance your development and your ability to uh, be in a different place in life. You know, people say that, you know, you do good by doing well and you do well by doing good. And so I think just that practical understanding that you should be doing one of those things at all times is something that could protect you or put up some boundaries for you to help, to help you understand how to maybe get out of your own way, but also, more importantly, stay out of the way of others, because sometimes all it takes is you just to avoid being a part of that process. So again, diversify your life experiences, um, learn from the mistakes of others, and I would also say ask questions, spend time with those elder stakesmen in your family. You know, those folks are like libraries. When they pass away, those libraries burn down. And so if you're not spending time with the elder statesman in your family, it's very hard for you to get a a true sense of history of of how things have developed, because they're more honest than the children. They don't care. They've earned it. So they're going to say whatever they want to say about whoever they want to say it about, and there's nothing that can be done about it. At least that's how it is in my family. So if you want to know what happened in 72 that is affecting this person in 18 or 19, you know, ask your grandmother, she'll tell you, she's not gonna, she's not gonna pull any punches, but it really may help you unlock some things about yourself. Um, another thing, a uh, final thing would be Dr. Loving talked about having the strength to ask for help on a prior episode. Go sit down and talk to somebody professional. Like I said, some people don't want to call it, you know, um, a therapy or counseling or whatever. If you need to, again, get some assistance In terms of a team to help protect your sanity and well-being, by all means, you should do so. So sitting down, talking to someone about the things that you see in your family that maybe you don't understand or things that you want to do differently. What's wrong with having a team of people to make sure that you're securing your success? And again, a lot of these resources are, you know, available to you through whatever um, means of employment that you have. So those would be some of the steps that I would say.
0: Beautifully put, and um, you know, you honestly skipped up to point number three, which was structuring your life to minimize those harmful tendencies, which you alluded to a lot of different ways um, to do that. Also, you know, it, it's it's weird because long it, one and three, because we 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 talked about recognizing those harmful cycles, but recognizing them is is kind of a way of being able to structure your life you know, around it to, to, to avoid it and to make changes on it. Because honestly, you know, we always talk about the first step of power was defining phenomena. The first thing you have to do is define. So, you know, once you know what it is now you can start making positive actions towards changing it. So doc, that's the point I want to throw to you next is, mm-hmm. um, kind of alluded to it, but what are some, what are some, some solid ways of structuring your life you know because obviously we can think of the obvious ones like if you figure out that a generational cycle is brought on by a particular person you can set up the boundaries to you know remove that person or limit interaction with that person but beyond that what are some self uh self-reflective things that you can do that you think that you should should do or could do to structure your life around it? i know you always talk about organizing so let's see if we can make that play into it
1: yeah i mean and and that's the thing is. All right. When, when I talk about structure, yeah, usually for me, it speaks to all right. Let's let's see what we can do to uh, to make things as easy as possible and step by step to avoid the bad situation, right? And so, if you know that you have the tendency to uh, not work as hard as you should, and you come from a family that is incredibly talented. But never applies itself and got a bunch of excuses and will allow you to be comfortable in your excuses, right? You have to you have to start to as we said, you know, talking about number one, you have to recognize that, right? Um, and recognize those tendencies, and then you have to, you know, you gotta leverage that schedule book, right? You gotta you gotta put things in your calendar and have alarms going off. So, you know, you need to be doing this at this time and make it as automatic as possible to accentuate the positive, right? But then also eliminate the negative. So many people end up in negative cycles, not so much because they are malevolently pursuing some bad thing. It's just that they BS so much, right? there's nobody there in their family that talks to them about hey man you you've got talent right or you've got an opportunity and you need to push harder than i than you've watched other people who are around you push right you've watched people go to work you know sometimes and i'm not because there are a lot of people who work extraordinarily hard there are people who you know who will give you a glaring example of how of hard work and it it never really paid off as well for them so don't get this is not everybody right this is you know people people have this whole this whole deal where they're like oh well if you're not wealthy it's because you're not working hard you sleep too much no 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 there are people who work extraordinarily hard and don't have a lot to show for it but i'm talking to those individuals who know know within themselves that they have the talent, right? And the people around you tell you, you've got the talent, but you have a penchant for laziness. I'm talking to me too, by the way, with that, the, the, the achievements that I have in my life are despite the fact that I am a naturally lazy person. Feels good to admit that a little bit, but it's true, right? And it's funny because my dad will say the same thing. Right, he he told, and then maybe that's why it makes it easier for me to admit it, right? And he and he makes himself do the things that he needs to do, that he knows he's going to need to do in order to be successful, right? And so when you're aware of your weaknesses, it's like in um in martial arts or in boxing, right? A person who's a left-handed boxer, a southpaw, they know the punches that they're more vulnerable to. They know the footwork that makes them um, potentially a, a step behind. They know where they need to place things if they're smart. They know where they need to place themselves all the way down to the toe, all the way up to, to their forehead and their nose, precisely where it is that they need to be to avoid being able to get hit and also to be able to deliver punches, Right. It's self-awareness. It's awareness of of, of those weaknesses that makes you stronger, okay? And it makes it so that you can structure plans and structure strategies and then execute those strategies in ways that are likely to be um, more helpful for you, okay? And, and, you know, I don't want to gloss over that second point that we had about understanding how those negative bad habits can affect your destiny because I think a lot of times people um, will overlook These things like, oh, well, you know, uh, you have your pluses and you have your minuses and that's it. No, man, think about how your minuses may have been extraordinarily destructive for people who are close to you, who are family members, who are in your in your circle. Right. Don't don't diminish the negative things that have happened based on stuff that might seem um, that might might seem um, less. Uh, less negatively impactful right there are folks who have smoked weed and become nothing and there are people who will tell you like oh well i smoke all the time and nothing happened and that's the point though is that nothing happened right You, you you were a person who could have been a fabulous artist and you chose to smoke on the couch all the time. And you never painted anything after third grade. You're a person who, you know, could could have written songs. You're a person who uh, could have written books. You're a person who could have done so many things. And it's not like smoking, uh, or smoking weed, or doing nothing killed you, right? It didn't kill you. You're still alive, but it killed who you could have been. Right, it took away what could have been if you had applied yourself in a way that was consistent with your real ability, and acknowledging those negative general, generational habits and cycles that have been around you. If you had been, if you had paid attention to those things and structured your life in a way that you say, all right, I recognize the power of, in this case, the nothing, right? The power of the nothing, in comparison to what it is that I want to accomplish, and I'm going to make sure that I'm doing something, if for no other reason to avoid the nothing. Not so much because I think some extraordinarily bad thing is going to happen to me, like you know prison or uh, you know some horrible strung out type drug addiction, but because I know that nothing is go- is is potentially out there. And when I have grasped a hold to what it is that I want to accomplish, and and it's and it seems real or possible based on the fact that you've broken that goal down into attainable steps, now it's like, well, who am I cheating? Who am I doing wrong to? If if I choose not to acknowledge and act accordingly and move towards where I'm going and even and avoid those things that, you know, that seem a little bit more innocuous, but now that I'm really focused on what I want to accomplish, man, not not innocuous at all. And so it all sort of goes together in terms of moving towards structuring your life. You got to have the reasons there, you know, hey, okay. I'm not saying you, you, people, because people will say, well, I, I don't have my, I, I continue to drink to the point that I'm falling on my behind every night, um, and, and I do it, and, and I haven't figured out why. Well, maybe you don't need to f- first just just stop drinking. If you can, if you can't drink, if you can't drink and not you know fall on your behind every night and drink to the point of passing out and almost death, then maybe first don't drink. And when Destrian and we've talked before about, oh, you know what I mean? you analyze analyzing where mama and daddy used to talk like this. And this is why now, nah, man, like you need to just not drink. You know what I mean? Just slow down on that liquor, right? Because then you can put yourself in a place where now your mind is a little bit clearer and you can start to talk to the people who are going to help you find your, you know, these deep-seated reasons and all the rest of that? That's great, but um, you need to be able to think clear a lot of times to really understand why it is that you need to focus on what it is that you're doing. Sometimes your mind can be so clouded by the negative activities and and, and cycles that you've been involved with. If you smoking, if you smoking weed all the time and drunk all the time, you're in a constant state of inebriation it's very difficult to be inebriated all the time and also be focused on what it is that you could otherwise be doing, right? I've had students, yep, I'm about to say it, I'm calling you out, not by name, of course, because I never do that, but I have had students in my class who were talented young people come in smelling like weed, bright red eyes, and then come to my office hours and the same day, still smelling like weed, talking about, yeah, I, I'm right now I'm getting a D. I need a B out of this class. Dr. Lovin. what can we do? We? What do you just <laughs> Look, man, you know, I don't know what other professors you have and how out of touch they are. But I know what we smells like. And I know what a person who's high looks like. And you high coming to class. Which means that you're probably high in other times of your, of your life and times where you could be studying, where you could be getting better at finance, where you could be um, sharpening yourself as, as a college student and moving towards what it is that, uh, that you came here for. And I know that you can do it. You're not a stupid person. You're just a high person, which is hard to distinguish sometimes when the person is very high uh, versus them being stupid at the moment. But I know that they're not stupid people. So the thing is, all right, what are you going to do? Are you gonna clear your head? You gonna put yourself in a position where you can start to pursue what it is that you wanna accomplish and act like you're trying to actually do that? Or are you gonna sit there and just smoke weed all day? I'm, look, man, medicinal or whatever you want to call it, I'm not, I have no problem with people drinking, obviously, as we toast at the beginning of all of the uh, sessions that we have, or smoking or whatever you do to enjoy yourself in your what recreation. But there's a difference between recreation and productivity. And if you are trying to be productive, then it's difficult to be both productive and recreational at the same time. You need to recognize where it is that you're trying to go, put down the stuff or at least limit the stuff that you that you do that's not helping you be productive to the times that are, you know, that are your recreational times, and then give yourself the time that you deserve to pursue those goals that you can accomplish, right? You You owe that to you. And you also owe it to the world because nobody else can deliver what it is that you can deliver. You have it. There is there is a purpose out there for each of us, right? And yeah, there are other folks that can do things like you do them, But there is no one who can do precisely what you have been sent to do and impact the people who you have precisely been sent here to impact. But you, there's, there's, there's one thing that I've learned as I've tried to Uh, um, abdicate my responsibility for um, making black people more financially uh, responsible and increasing black wealth in this country and I've looked at other folks and man yeah maybe this person do that and I can just be a professor and sit here on my duff and just chill and enjoy my you know the fact that I got a decent salary in life nah man I gotta push I've got to push not just uh, for me because I feel like the destiny is in me or whatever But because there are people out there who need to hear me, and if I don't say it, there's not going to be somebody who says it in the way that they need to hear it so that they can go where they need to go, right? That's what life is about. People helping people based on what it is that they have, despite the negative things that might be around trying to pull them back, pushing forward. I talked a long time. My bad. Nah, no, it's, it's it's all good, man. Um, if if I
2: could, AJ, let me jump jump on that real quick.
1: Go ahead. One
2: of the overarching things that I think is happening here, when you really think about this, we are in a we are in a a culture that breeds certain types of perceptions, and one of the perceptions is that, oh, you have time, you you got time for that. The fact of the matter is, that's your biggest competition is time. And it's your most valuable resource and we treat it like it's an infinite commodity and it's not. So even as it relates to these generational things, one of the generational things that I've heard growing up, oh, you got plenty of time for that. Like it'll, 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 it starts when you You got plenty of time for girls, you know, just, just focus on the books. There's always an excuse for why there's not a need for a conversation. So, instead of education being imparted, an excuse is given, and the excuse is generally you have time. The fact of the matter is you don't have that much time. you know think about how how long the average person typically lives It's not a really long time. So, I was at a conference um this week, and one of the gentlemen' it's a fantastic speaker um I can't mention his name until the conference is over um but fantastic speaker he always brings it and one of the things he said was he said um he said I, like you just said Dr. Levin. he said I do all right and I have a comfortable life my family we have a plan that plan is coming together you know I'm not severely worried about much and I think I'm fortunate but he's he said I'm 50 years old now and someone asked me last week if you could trade your time, whatever time you got left, for Warren Buffett's income, would you do it? And he said, look, guy's worth $90 billion, and I'll never see that money in my life, but I wouldn't trade whatever time I have left for it. Sometimes we have to make things real for our kids, our relatives, our loved ones. You don't have a lot of time. And it's not to scare them, but it's to make them maximize things. So like you talked about, you know, the the, um, laziness, the procrastination, the, you know, um, the lack of willingness to push through. But if I told you exactly how much time you had left, how would you change your behavior? Would you make excuses about generational curses if I told you that? Would you make excuses about, you know, uh, generational cycles if I told you that? It's not that they're excuses. They're learned behaviors for sure. But would you break those more immediately realizing that you don't have that much time? So I think one of the things that, you know, at least in my family and some of my friends I've seen is, hey, you know, you got plenty of time. Well, the fact of the matter is you have, some, you, you do have time, but it's still up to you what you do with it. And so I think we have to get real about maximizing our time because we all get the same amount of hours in a day. But it's amazing to me how a person with a purpose is so much more productive than a person who is just shooting the breeze. And sometimes the, the person that's more productive is not the more talented person, but they've had the conversation around, you need to maximize your time. Because what you have to realize is by not learning that lesson early, you end up living life backwards. The people that learn that lesson early, they do what they need to do right now so they can do whatever they want to do later. The people that don't learn that lesson early do whatever the hell they want to do right now and they do whatever it is they have to do for the rest of their life, not even a later, for the rest of their life. Which situation would you want? And if you want to, you know, start to tear down those barriers to uh, breaking down cycles, I think it starts with understanding and valuing your time. If you looked in an hourglass, it's very easy to look down and see the time that's transpired and passed and waned, but sometimes it's really hard to gauge how much time you have left. And because none of us know that, you should wake up every day trying to maximize it. You can't spend time focused on what happened to mom, like you said, or mom and dad did this and they talked like this and they did that. Acknowledge it, meet it, accept it, and now find yourself a group of people that are going to help you move beyond it. Because your time is valuable. And in order to reverse those things, we have to spend our time doing different activities than the people that came before us. So sorry to jump in on that, but um, I just that really resonated with me what Dr. Loving was saying. And, and I really just for me, it's about time and how I value my time.
0: No, no, no problem. Definitely no problem, because, you know, I like it when you all go on your 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 spills, as I call them. And Doc had a lot to say, and I just want to just, you know, reiterate some points of uh, and interject, you know, my own thoughts on it, uh, because you you mentioned, both of you all mentioned a lot about vices and, and, and recreation, and the thing that we, you know, we always say is moderation and responsibility. Those two things go hand in hand, um, because it's, it, you can definitely, we, can, we definitely hit on the points of the comfort of habits. And that's one of those things that if you're comfortable in habits, whether it be your own uh, that you developed already, or ones that you saw and learned from other people, those can be the starts of uh, generational cycles, and something that we'll get into, and in it's just a second that I'm gonna bring to you all. Um, but the power of intervention, self-intervention, outside intervention, is 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 true is truly helpful in, in getting some of these hard truths put on the table and learning how to how to truly un- be honest with your situation um, and understanding that time is a finite resource. But the, the, the crazy thing about it is you don't know how much you have, like like DJ alluded to, because you know the average lifespan. But we know people that have gone way before that. We know people that have gone way beyond that. We know people that have gone right at that. So it's it, everybody's different. Everybody's situation, everybody's purpose is different. So understanding that time is a finite resource and treating it as such. Gold is a finite resource, and we see how the world treats gold. Time is more valuable than gold. Time literally is the basis of li- almost everything. It's all based on time so it's 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 priceless in a sense and as you know like we said it is a resource but you got to understand you got to treat it with such in so being moderate and responsible when it when it comes to your recreation and your vices and things like that because you know I can speak personally what I do and when I do it I make sure I do it responsibly moderately and that I have all of my ducks in a row and all of my affairs in order and That is something that everybody's not able to do, and those of us who are not able to do that are the ones that find ourselves in what I like to call the development trap. That's not mine, but that's the point that I'm bringing up now. Um, As I looked up uh, the cycle of poverty, because let's be honest, uh, a generational cycle that is quite common and well-known by most and all is the generational cycle of poverty and lack of wealth, especially in the black community. Um, but in economics, the cycle of poverty is the set of factors or events by which poverty, once started, is likely to continue unless there is outside intervention. And we got to understand and we got to remember that cycle is something that continuously happens over and over again. So the only way you can stop a wheel from rolling down a hill is to put something in front of it. Mm-hmm. So and and you know and and what they put here is outside intervention which that's an interesting point that I want to bring to you all because we talked about self, self-intervention self where you recognize things and all of that but it's saying it's it, I'll read it again because I want to point I really want everybody to understand this is in economics the cycle of poverty is the set of factors or events by which poverty once started is likely to continue unless there's outside intervention so it did not say it will only conti- it continues unless it says it's likely to continue, which means if you do some self-intervention, you still have a chance of getting out of poverty. And we've seen it happen. We, you know, there are m- multiple stories of people who come from zero, you know, from nothing, literally like impoverished families, adopted, you know, didn't even know their real families, went through, grew up in foster homes, and literally had nothing, homeless on the streets, and now have everything they could possibly want in the world. We've seen stories like that. Um, but it also went to say the poverty cycle can be call, can be called the development trap, and I wanted to you know talk with both of you all about the development trap because in terms of progression and breaking these generational cycles, which poverty is one of the most well known of the cycles that we can talk about, um, is getting stuck in that development trap and how that development trap can also, based on the comfort of habits. Can start with you like I said the the, the the cycle of poverty is a set of factors or events by which poverty once started is likely con- to continue so it can start you know honestly with you with us a generational cycle can start with you you know it's not something it doesn't have to be going on for hundreds of thousands of years it could have literally started with you know your parents or it can start with you you know if you if you grow up with a with a perfect upbringing and you know have everything silver spoon in your mouth. So you, you know, you have no get-up and go. You have no, 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 no purpose or progression. The generational cycle can start with you. But I wanted to talk to you all and throw that point to you all. And DJ, I'll throw it to you first is let's talk a little bit about the development trap and understanding the power of intervention, um, you know, and how to truly be honest with your situation, yourself and others. Because let's be honest, if you continuously lie about a situation and you're not honest about it with yourself first, how can you ever truly be honest about it with others? And I know, uh, you know, each of us has probably seen an episode or two of the show intervention that used to come on and you see how it works. And, you know, specifically that show is talking about, you know, Hardcore drugs and alcoholism and things like that. So, but we also know the show hoarders. You know, that's a, that's that's a habit that also requires intervention. And yeah. we don't have to. We don't necessarily have to talk about the extremes because there are generational cycles that aren't extreme that don't do a lot of affecting. But as it progresses, can progressively get worse and worse and worse and worse and worse until by the fifth, the fourth or fifth generation, now it's an actual problem but let's talk about the development traffic DJ it to you first.
2: Yeah, man. Um, so let's take a step back and, and and start here. Right. And, you know, indulge me for a moment. I'll make it brief. Um, there are a lot of, uh, of, of movies that have come out and they show the ability to, uh, do time travel. So you can go back in time. You can change this event. Specifically. You think about the butterfly effect, right? And, um, Understanding how changing one aspect of a moment or an event can significantly change the future is what the movie, or at least in my um, estimation, is what the movie was trying to portray. And I think we don't understand the power that we truly possess to change what we would consider our destiny or the outcome of situations. Everything comes down to choices. So as it relates to this development trap, you have to make a decision and you have to put time frames on things. Again, going back to time, okay, I do need to develop myself and I do need to develop better habits or what have you. But some people rest on their laurels because we honestly have a a medical excuse for almost anything that someone does. And I'm not I'm not advocating that anyone have the same exact upbringing that I did, but there were things that I did that were not going to be medically classified. They were going to be dealt with in a very specific type of way. So I just didn't do them because I knew what would happen. And so I think, you know, what, we, what we've done is created a culture where there's an out for you. We'll will we'll give you a way out. We'll also give you a little help getting there. And to me, that's what the development trap looks like. And one of the reasons why I think that, that uh, definition says that you will likely stay there without outside intervention is because we also are participants in placing ourselves in said trap. N- no one's coming to get you. They're just offering you an excuse or resource or what have you and it's comfortable, it's convenient, and why, why, why remove yourself from these comforts? Well, the reason why is because you don't grow. You're stagnant, and it may feel okay as long as things are reasonably going well, but what happens when there's a, a, a deviation from the norm? That development trap feels awfully uncomfortable, and you usually find people that are in that space that's the tipping point for them. So that's when you see people decide that I'll just rob somebody or I'll, I'll just, you know, I'll, I'll shoot somebody or I'll take this or will take that. They have become so accustomed of things being given to them. There's an expectation that they deserve this. Right. And so that development trap to me is a, uh, it's a really, harmful proposition for a person that's on the cusp of trying to make significant change because one setback can put you right back in that comfortable space, whereas I'll just take the resources that are provided to me, that's better than me getting up working every day, so on and so forth. Now, um, like I said earlier, making just a singular decision like is similar to going back in time you can decide that I'm going to put a time limit on this developmental phase and I'm going to revisit it. Dr. Loving talks about it all the time, being organized, automating, and having structure. There's nothing wrong with getting help. So if you're in a developmental phase, you may say, hey, you know, realistically it should take me nine months to move from point A to point B. At three years, maybe you're not making effort. Or something is drastically wrong with the system that you're in. And I think it's also important to understand that if the definition says that it will likely take some outside influence, that means this is a systemic type of um, program, so to speak, that you're entering into, one that you're not likely to get out. So if you really unpack what the definition is saying, you may want to avoid those types of scenarios altogether because by definition – you're being told once you're in, it's going to be extremely difficult for you to get out. But again, this goes back to having conversations with children, young adults, what have you, and creating a culture of responsibility. In the house that um, you know I reside in today with my wife, every New Year's, I, we sit down and I, we talk about, like, and we're certainly not perfect at it, but... You know, we try to have some type of what is the culture going to be or the theme for the culture of this home? What, what is it going to be this year? If it was something you didn't like before, what do we need to change? As opposed to allowing these things to linger, affect our kid, affect us for years, like you got to get in front of things and you have to create a culture of change and you have to have a responsive nature and not one that's passive as it relates to negativity, the way we meet uh, some b- very basic things in life with such passion and energy, I really wish we would meet negativity and these traps and these cycles in the same way. That same energy, you know, when people say keep that same energy, keep that same energy that you have on social media for Aisha Curry as you have for these generational cycles. If we put half as much effort into that, we'd be in a much better place because whether you agree with her or not, those are generational type things. And you can see it in the conversations that people have, whether she should or she she should say something or she should not. If it was the appropriate time of, if it was not, you see a lot of cultural appropriation come out in these types of conversations where it's very clear that the culture in one household was one thing and the culture in another household is another. Not that either is right or wrong, but it doesn't allow for diversity of thought. One party has to win. And I think that that's also another generational cycle that we have to break. You can, you can tell the truth and not be right. You know, if, Let's, let's say something happens between you and I, and truthfully, you know maybe I did something that you didn't appreciate, but the manner in which you brought it to me could have been absolutely wrong. So you could have been telling the truth, but you could be wrong doing it at the same time. like just because it's true doesn't make the way you did it right. And we have a need in our culture to prove people wrong, to be right, as opposed to understanding that we can have varying opinions and from the seat that I sit in, my points can be valid, although not relevant or truthful to you, but from the seat I sit in, I could be, I could literally be being completely honest and that need for right or wrong separates us on so many levels and doesn't allow us to help each other break those developmental traps because They are meant to do just that, to create division. And because you can't understand someone else's perspective or sit in the seat that they're sitting in, how can you properly support them? Especially if you feel that you're so far removed from it. So I think it's important that we do a few things. And, And one is, as we're trying to break these cycles or assist others, remember that we were likely once right in the midst of it or we could be in one tomorrow, like you said. We could be creating cycles as we speak, positive or negative, by the way. So if I'm speaking life into you and positivity, even if there's no immediate change, I should continue to do that because I want that to become your norm. You know, So those those types of activities and those types of things, to me, or how you start to combat those things, but also how you understand them and really dive into the core of what they are. And you get to the root of the issue and that way you can carve it out as opposed to always dealing with the surface of the problem and always glossing over it and never really peeling back the layers of the onion to deal with the underlying issue.
0: Yeah. And, um, you definitely made the point document to, to you real quick but you made the point of uh reiterating the fact that generational cycles like we said it can start and end with you you know it 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 doesn't necessarily mean that it's it's been going on it could be something that because of the comfort of habits you are about to start right now and you got to recognize it and honestly i think that may be the best time to 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 reevaluate this because it may be easier to get out of you know it's i mean it's anything hindsight being 2020 20, but foresight can also be 2020 20. if you can see something coming at you you can get out the way but sometimes you can get caught like a deer in the headlights and be overwhelmed but communication um it, throughout all of our themes and episodes and topics communication is really key and i don't think people really understand the power of just pure um Diversify communication like d j said you know divers- diversify diversity of thought, just being able to understand that you don't always have to be right, you don't always have to compete, but based on the society and the economics that we deal with um it's an inevitable fact, but the more that you can circumvent that and communicate with people on a on a on a basic and em- empathic level, I think a lot of a lot of things can be avoided uh just basically being able to have a conversation with somebody because you know, there may be you or someone else may be struggling with, you know, a habit or something of that nature that could be very well on the way to causing a generational cycle, and they don't feel comfortable enough to communicate with anybody to the problems or the issues that they're facing, and now they're stuck stuck in that development trap, and not necessarily on their own fault. It's just, you know, it's a societal thing. Like DJ said, it's systemic. It's something that's been embedded into our everyday world. Um and we can, you know, we could definitely go into a whole conversation on the power of social media and how that plays a role and all of that stuff. Um, uh, but doc what I wanted to throw to you is because of uh communication being so key, the fourth point that we were trying to get to is recognizing the opportunities around you despite uh generational and familiar nearsightedness. Um but it, from the standpoint of being able to kinda kinda get at it take it head on before it starts let's say it's not necessarily start necessarily starting with you. How can you, you know, see through the fog that is a development trap and some ways of, you know, going around it, just in essence, becoming a better person for yourself so that, you know, people, you, yourself and others are all open to communication to help you or somebody else get out of that cycle and get out of development trap. Yeah. So,
1: you know, when, when you're talking about, um, Systemic issues, and, uh, and 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 I think in your definition you talked about poverty, and you look at public policy that has been in place basically since right around the the, the Reagan era, right? And you look at what's happened to the. Um, to the working class and to African-Americans overall in terms of in terms of wages, you know, you got folks who are you know, highly educated and you, you've got these exceptions. But I'm talking about when you talked about the, uh, you know, the, the likelihood of escaping certain cycles and poverty being one of them and how that likelihood is decreased uh, based on the environment. That you are operating in, you can see what's happened to the. Uh, you, you can see what what's happened to collective bargaining. You can see what's happened to unions since the seventies. You can see how wages have stagnated, right? And you can see how people who um, live in a way that should, uh, let's call it default, right? The average American life or whatever, whether you're African-American or a white person born in the Midwest or whatever whatever it is that you, um, that, that that's your background, right? If you aren't a person that's intentional about your purpose and what you can do for others, and how that can positively impact you and leveraging each and every one of those opportunities to push you step by step forward to where it is that you want to go so that you and your family can be more financially viable and successful going forward. But if you just if if you wait on the quote unquote American dream to happen for you, how disappointing. It has got to be to you to watch what uh, what's out there in terms of your prospects, right? And this is you know not to get too political, but here we are. This is how you you get people like like a, a Donald Trump because he he appeals to that feeling of desperation for the folks who did the default things. I I went to school. I, I I did the high school thing. I got a job. I treated people with respect. I was fair to people. I didn't do any crimes. And I can't pay my bills. I can't feed my kids. I don't have the life that I should have, at least according to the American dream, the way that it was sold to me. Right? And that right there is something... The tears at at, at your personhood, at the way that you envision yourself and the way that you envision your country and the way that you envision what your life ought to be. And that can be a terribly traumatic experience, right? And if we talk about African Americans, that traumatic experience has been repeated over and over and at uh, levels that are far more difficult to endure than the average American has had to endure. And the reason I go into that is because when they talk about outside intervention, in terms of curing or, or somehow, um, ending, ending poverty. It's not necessarily, at least on a large statistical level, going to be what, you know, the people who are listening to this podcast are willing to force themselves out of, um, a a situation despite the odds. But at some point it's going to have to be, we as a people deciding to change the odds, to switch the game up. And do things differently than we have before, to give people a better opportunity than we have before. So maybe we treat corporations, which are tools and not people, as less important than people, right? This is this is this is all Doctor Loving right here. But it, but it's also you know you can you can look at your. Uh, your, your, your Bibles and other uh, spiritual books that talk about the importance of people versus things and, and idols. And you can think whatever you want to about corporations and, and, and other things that we raise up to be immortal gods in our lives. But my point is this, if you are not intentional about what it is that you want to accomplish especially in the face of all the things that come against a person who is trying to do the right thing and the environment that's not necessarily set up for you to succeed, then your, your, your reality and the life that you lead is going to continue to be compressed and compromised in all sorts of directions going forward. Because because you aren't expressing and pushing outward on what you want your reality to be, you're just allowing what's out there to compress and push in on you. And what happens when people experience such extreme pressure is you, you can either just collapse or some people explode some people do all sorts of things that that everybody says, "Well, how could how could this happen? Why would he rob this person? Why would she do this type of thing?" It's just a reaction to what is the seemingly insurmountable set of circumstances around you, right? And I'm not saying it's 100% always going to be defeated by the power of positive thinking. That would be a a naive, foolish thing, I think, for for me to say. I, I don't know everything, but I know too much to think that that's the case, right? But what I do know is you're far more likely to be successful if you recognize those negative things around you and you address them. You do the things that you do, recognizing where it is that you can go, and push yourself as hard as you can, despite the fact that this isn't fair, and it ain't going to be fair. I would like for it to be fair, and I will always vote for the people who say that they're going to do the things to make it closer to fair, but I'm never going to bank on life being fair in terms of eking out a fair share for me and my family. I know that I have to push in certain types of ways to make certain types of things happen so I can get the results for my family, so I can get the results for the people who um, I, I want to see be successful so that so, so that black folks and other marginalized minorities and gays and other folks can get ahead. I know that's going to take some intentional pushing and I'm willing to push because I know what the default is, right, and so when you are uh, when you're aware of those things and um, you start to see some of the more trivial generational cycle things that could get in the way of it, now you start to think treat those things much more seriously than you might otherwise treat them right that that sitting down and doing nothing starts to become a lot more more important. When you recognize the stakes, right? That that time when you felt like you could just chill is over. I watch a lot of older movies. I watch a lot of uh, <laughs> I watch the great debaters with Denzel. Man, that guy can act, right? And uh, and and I'll watch any PBS documentary on 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 uh on race, Reconstruction period, and and I, and um, Jim Crow in the United States. I love that type of stuff, and. And what it makes me do is think more seriously about what it is that that's my calling and how the constraints and difficulties that I face are nothing compared to what was faced in the past, right? And that makes me more encouraged to push out there and show people how they can shape the world going forward, despite the negativity that's out there, despite the shortcomings, despite the fact that it's not fair. And also importantly, with that recognition that it isn't fair, fueling you to burn away some of those things that are trifling, that are not going to be helpful because you can't afford that drag. You can't afford it. You know, as as people who are marginalized, who are pushed in a position where um, they are are either thought of as less than or treated less than, you, you can't afford to um, to to allow, to allow that to affect your behavior because the stakes are going to be higher and far more negative for you, and you're not going to be able to do what you ought to be able to do. And I think that's a tragedy as any time a person. Because that's the special thing. We talked about time before. But, you know, time, that's the currency of people, right? People got, we only have a certain amount of that time. Right? And so when we talk about people being more important than things, what do people spend? They spend time. My granddaddy always used to say, Hey, yeah, yeah, folks say they got time. But you better realize that time got you. That right there is from Jonathan Calhoun Rackard, right there. Okay? And you better recognize that even though you do have time in certain ways, time has you, and your time is limited. Just like Destrian said. Okay? So. You better do what you can with what it, with with what you got in terms of resources, time, effort, and all of those things. And recognize the things that are taken away from it. Again, I talked too long. Sorry.
0: <laughs> <laughs> no man, just uh, you just reminding everybody to control the controllables and uh, observe the variables. But um, we coming up on 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 time because like we all <laughs> like we said, we thought we got time, but time got us. Um. But, uh, DJ, I'm going to throw it to you to make your close remarks then. Dr. Levin, I'm going to throw it back to you to wrap it up on your end, too, and then I'll close it out. Um, just to inform, ladies and gentlemen, we are going to forego the after show at this present time. Don't be so disappointed because we have something in store for you. But uh, we'll let you know about that. But, DJ, go ahead, man.
2: Yeah, so based on what Dr. Levin said, I'll kind of wrap my comments around um, some of the things he said. and. Hopefully it won't be too controversial, especially since we're not doing the uh, the after show. I'm, I'm, we we might end up doing it. Um, for for those of you who are listening, um, look, re- regardless of, of race, color, creed, sex, ethnicity, I would hope that these conversations at least offer uh, at a basic level some insight, or would provide stimulating conversation conversation for you to then have with your constituents and otherwise um if you have not seen this i would highly suggest checking out the pbs special called boss the black business experience similar to what dr yes so it's the pbs special boss the black business experience and similar to what dr loving was said was saying you know, I often watch these documentaries. Um, this one was a, a great one. Another one that I've watched is uh, The the Men Who... Uh, I think it's called The Men Who Created America or The Men Who Ruled America, whatever. It was on the History Channel. It's about J.P. Morgan. You know, we talked about him and we, we talked about uh, Tesla and all, all these folks and how, how their ideas and how they monopolize things. But... Specifically as it relates to boss, the black business experience, when you talk about a segment of society, a group of folks who had every excuse to blame generational cycles, curses, whatever you want to call them, this, this group was primed. We're going to, you know, we're going to free you from, from slavery and go get them. <laughs> Just go get them. Okay. So without being armed with the proper resources or techniques or tools, and keep in mind, at this point, banks are now starting to move towards credit. So these folks are being marginalized basically to have the very land that they've just bought themselves free with, taken from them, and ultimately end right back up in servitude. So if there was ever a group of folks that could use this generational thing, it would be them. But they didn't. This is the same group that birthed of Madam C. J. Walker. This is the same group that birthed a, uh, a Black Wall Street in uh, in Green in Greenwood or Greenville, uh, Oklahoma. We have the same connectivity to those thoughts, that energy, and those ideals to break generational cycles right now. I am a uh, I'm a firm believer in the following statement, but a lot of my friends disagree with me or whatever. I don't think that more than one or two generations of your family has to be poor and struggle. I just don't think that they have to. The reason being you should insure yourself at a very basic level. If you insure yourself, especially as we talked about poverty being one of the key, um, key aspects of uh, generational cycles in the African-American community. If we would just insure ourselves, combine that insurance with education around personal finance, budgeting, importance of credit, and developing some decent habits, your family is in a much better situation when the, the known happens. At some point, our time is up. I don't think it's a selfish behavior. I think it is a generational behavior that many of us don't properly insure. Because I've heard many people say, I, I got enough to put me away. Well, what do you have to set the next generation of your family up? Many of the families that are the well-to-do in this country have had pass-throughs based on the way insurance is, is, is taxed or you can do some estate planning or what have you. We have to start being serious about properly insuring ourselves because if you don't have the type of job that's going to lead to financial freedom, you could most certainly have the type of insurance that would for your family. And if you've given them the proper tools and you've helped them understand the importance of it. You can transition wealth instead of debt when something happens to you. So I just wanted to make those comments as it related to what I think that we would probably agree is one of the larger um, generational cycles that needs to be broken in our community. Um, the, the other, I just think, is communication. Open Honest communication, like Dr. Loving said, about mistakes and the opportunities to learn from them. We can give our kids a head start and also maybe save them a lot of money in counseling if we would sit down and have an honest conversation with them. And we may actually improve their relationship dynamics or their ability to be suitable partners for someone in the future. So, um, look, guys, I appreciate you being up late doing this uh, tonight, I really wanted to cover this topic, so I thank you guys for giving me <laughs> some time and attention.
1: <laughs> no, most definitely. Go ahead, Doc. Yeah, now I was going to say, yeah, I, I, for the listeners, we uh, we went back and forth on topics, and Destrian fought. Fault. For normally, he just introduces the topics, and then we kind of just got to talk back and forth about what we want to do. And he came back forceful forcefully like, "No, we need to do this and now you know what i'm glad I'm glad you came back with a little bit of force and said, "We need to do this, and I agree with you because I think this has been a good you know, especially as we've had we we've taken a little bit of break based on um the schedules that we've had. Um, it, it really hasn't been a long break, but still, though, I'm glad I'm glad we did this, right? It makes me it was it was cathartic to get some of some of that off my chest. I'm gonna be I'm gonna be honest, right? Um, there is a lot of uh, of. Um, uh, uh, what I like to call austerity gospel out there, right? Austerity gospel. If you will only just not spend, then you can take your way out of poverty. And you you know, it's the, the, the fact that you have Jordans on your feet is the thing that's keeping you from your destiny and all the rest of this. Just don't have nothing. And then you're going to have so much because you'll invest all of your money and be great. And I just, I, I think that's a, that's a, as false as false can get what i will tell you is that you can start to do positive things that are going to pay dividends over time and you can start to build up slowly despite having a very little right the whole faith of a mustard seed uh a deal in the bible is is all built on you planting soil and Planting that mustard seed and soil and being able to put a decent amount of water on it and growing and cultivating something, a small thing over time that grows to be a big thing. Right. And so we all we want for you to do is start to recognize how you can change those small things. You ain't got to change it all at once. We change one small thing. We start to recognize each of those things. We start to come into understanding of what it is that we want to accomplish. And then we crystallize those things in the goals. We start to think about the concrete steps to get there. And it might be a long walk. Hey, you know, that's how life is. But let's start moving towards where we want to go. Despite all of the other, um, all of the obstacles that are. I'm not going to say likely to happen. They're going to happen there will be obstacles, there will be problems, right, there will be generational um, issues that you've had, because a lot of things that you do, the learned behavior you have is based on the behaviors of other people who have been unsuccessful, and some of the things that are supposed to come up out of your lineage, but I'm telling you that you can overcome it, Just by moving step by step. And if you don't get all the way there, you've pushed the ball further so that the next generation can move farther in the right direction. Because you've addressed these things and you're going to be addressing those things actively in your children so that they take advantage of the things that you didn't take advantage of and recognize the pitfalls that you didn't recognize. You're gonna be that positive influence on them. I'm optimistic about this thing. This is like this is just that is why I do what I do because I know that people have a desire deep within them to push forward and be better. And make this life a much improved one for themselves going forward and for the people around them and for generations going forward. I believe this with inside of me. I I think about most things, but that's a belief. All right. And so for me, I will fight for that for you, for me, for us going forward. I am honored to be a part of this podcast where we talk about the practical steps that we need to take to to crystallize and, and bring into form those diffuse dreams and thoughts and wants and passions that we have out there and start to pull those things down and make them a reality despite the difficulties and despite the opposition that comes. I just know we I know we can. Right. And so we will move from from can and work together to do the do. And thanks for doing do with me and and, uh, Destrian and Arthur. And man, I love I love you, gentlemen just had to I had to say it today I do I love talking to you I love talking with you I love the I love the fact that I get we're getting feedback from listeners I love it when you talk to us about how you are using these things to positively impact your life and shape interaction between you and the people around you and, and and push towards a better future for you, your families and the folks that you love. It makes me happy. All right. So please continue to share with us. The Facebook page, that's what it's there for We we are, we are desperately waiting to hear all of the wonderful, positive feedback that you have and some of the constructive feedback that you have, too, things that you think that we can do better. We need to hear that, too. That's what love is about. Love ain't just about tell, patting us on the head and telling us how great we are. Tell us about how we can improve because us and... We, if we work on improving and we're better at that, then we can help you be better, and we can both help each other be better. Hey, that's what it's all about. So thank you, and uh, and, and that's all I have to say, AJ.
0: Beautifully put. As I pull the last bit of the Johnny Walker Blacks, um We've gone a little bit over our normal time, and that is purposeful because this topic is vast and massive, and we know that, which is why I'm going to go ahead and claim that the the second, the second next episode, because like I said, we're going to forego the after show tonight, but the very next episode, which will probably drop sooner than later, uh, we're going to just go ahead and dive into the topic of creating and sustaining generational wealth. If the two gentlemen will agree, which I'm pretty sure they will, we're just going to go ahead and do it because that deserves this time because we ought like to go it. ahead and basically just lean into that conversation and continue that conversation by, since we're, we're breaking the generational cycles, let's go ahead and talk about creating generational wealth because it is a huge topic. And I like the way you talked about the austerial gospel that you talked about because a lot of people are eating that gospel up. And it's putting people in, and it's putting people into yet another situation where it be, it can become a, another generational cycle where you get caught up in, you know, for lack of a better word, scams. Uh, and and you know, not to, not to say that everything out there get rich quick and those things. We we've seen them. It's been around since the dawn of time. Get rich quick schemes. Quick money ain't worth it. Fast money ain't worth it. And that's one of the lessons that my father, my grandfather's have all taught me. So genera- generationally, somebody may have gotten got buy it, and they made sure that nobody else got got, and so the message was constantly passed down, and that's why communication is key. Communication is the one thing that can truly get you out of a cycle, just because if it happens to me, if I simply tell you this is what happened, whether you take it or leave it, I've told you, now you can mention it to somebody else. It may not get you out, but the person you trade my story to, now it can stop them, and that way it can break their cycle, and it breaks mine. Communication is paramount, so... Just remember the fact that humans, we are naturally progressive, man. Stagnation is not in our nature, so we have to progress. So when you get stuck in that development trap, don't get down to yourself and feel like you are stuck there. The generational cycles can start and end with you. You recognize things, you can get out of it. Hindsight is 2020, and foresight is 2020. You can see things, take it on, control the controllables, and um, observe the variables. Moderation and responsibility with all things. Be truly honest with your situation and understand the power of intervention. It can start and end with you, natural progression. Don't get caught up in the comfort of habits. So, gentlemen, as always, it has been a vast pleasure of doing this with you all. And, you know, I I think this topic and the next, uh, which we deem is going to be – create a generational wealth is where you, you you all are really gonna shine because ladies and gentlemen this is what Dr. Lovin and Destrian do for a living. They go around and this is why they're at conferences and they're doing speaking engagements because this is these this is the exact subject that they're talking about. And so it's something that they're passionate about and I'm also passionate about and we wanna see change. So we are being that change. We're we're communicating to help someone if not just ourselves, get out of cycles, and that's what this whole podcast series has really been about. And I think we we you know we've discovered it in a sense tonight. We say there was no theme, there's no real outline, but I think this is really the true purpose of this podcast is to help people break these generational curses, generational cycles. Um, and, and create, sorry, create generational wealth. And and in the in the term when the term wealth, we do not we, did, we, we we don't we don't intend for everybody to be a millionaire. We don't intend for everybody to be a hundred thousand now, Whatever you feel is comfortable. Understanding that your life has purpose and stepping into your purpose and being great at it, because that's what's gonna bring you true wealth and true happiness. You can have a million dollars and still be miserable as hell. You can be in a thirty room mansion and still be miserable as hell. You can be driving three Bentleys every day of the week and you still be miserable as hell. But you can have a nice, comfortable living where all your bills are paid, with with you know, with, with, with spouse and children and have a good paying job and got money put away, you're insured and you're happy and you're truly wealthy. And you're better off than the person who has it who has seemingly has it all. So just remember those things. Perspective is always you know, is always key. Um but uh Addendum to all the previous episodes, Destrian Wells decided to let me know just recently that I've been telling the wrong um uh, web address. It's not Destrian Consulting dot com, but I'm pretty sure you can type that in and it'll come up in Google. But it's actually D Wales Consulting dot com. That's a letter D W E L L S Consulting dot com. If you want to find him in his uh web domain. <laughs> yeah. Um uh, you can also find Dr. Ajamu Loving, PhD, at com. You can find myself at com. And like Dr. Loving uh, said and announced, uh, the Brethren Podcast Series, because that's what we are officially naming, it now has an official Facebook page. It can be found at facebook.com slash Brethren Podcast series. You can type it in the search box, it comes up. And also don't forget to follow us on Instagram at Brethren Pod. That's B-R-E-A-D-R-E-N-P-O-D. And uh another announcement we're making progress because that's what we said we were gonna do. We can now be found, we've already found on Anchor, iTunes, and Google. We can now be found on Spotify, search Brethren Podcast and we will come up. So now you've got four different mediums to find us and listen to us. We appreciate you listening to us on any medium that you find us, and we appreciate your interaction and your feedback as usual. But, uh, this has been yet another rousing episode of the Brethren Podcast. I'll take this last, uh, drink of whiskey, uh, for the, for the love and the respect of the topic and my gentlemen on the call. Uh-huh. All right. As we forego the after show, because like I said, we will, we will come right back at you all with the second part of this conversation, which will be creating and sustaining generational wealth. So y'all stay tuned to that. Make sure to reach out to us and communicate with us because we are open communication forum. You talk to us, we'll talk to you. Catch us in the Facebook, on the Instagram. We love you all, and we appreciate your support and your listeners. Good night.